My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you're here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman robed with the sun, standing on the moon, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. Although there was a, an almost universally held belief for a thousand years about the assumption of Our Lady, the Bible in itself contains no mention of it. The first church writer to speak about Our Lady being taken up into heaven was St. Gregory of Tours in 594. And then in 1946, Pope Pius XII asked all the bishops of the world whether they thought this belief in the assumption of Mary into heaven should be defined as a proposition of faith. Almost all the bishops replied in the, in the affirmative. And so on the 1st of November 1950, the Feast of All Saints, Pope Pius XII declared as a dogma revealed by God that Mary, the Immaculate, perpetually Virgin Mother of God, after the completion of her earthly life, was assumed body and soul into the glory of heaven. We have no real knowledge of the day, year, or manner of Our Lady's death. The dates which have been assigned to her death vary between three and 15 years after Christ's ascension. Both Jerusalem and Ephesus came to be the place where she died. By tradition, Mary lived at Ephesus after the death of our Lord. It's believed that she died in the presence of the apostles. But that after her burial, her tomb, when opened, was found empty. Therefore, they concluded that her body had been taken up, assumed into heaven. And St. Gregory of Tours provided rationale for this. Mary was preserved from all stain of original sin in her conception immaculately conceived. It was not fitting that the place where God was to reside in her womb should be stained with any stain of sin. She was, her virginity was preserved in the act of the birth of Jesus. She was preserved immune from all sin during her life. And so it wasn't logical that God would allow any type of corruption to touch Our Lady. And so it was assumed that she was assumed into heaven. There's an important difference, an important difference between the ascension of Jesus and the assumption of Mary. Our Lord ascended by his own power while Mary was assumed. One was active 
and the other was passive. Jesus, being the second person of the Blessed Trinity, had no need of assistance, whereas Our Lady did not have that power. A priest once demonstrated the difference in an unusual way. He asked two children to come to the front of the church. He told one child to walk from one side of the sanctuary to the other, and the other child he carried across. In the late 16th century and onwards, there was a great number of paintings of Our Lady's Assumption into Heaven, some of them with great splendor. She appears as a woman adorned with the sun and standing on the moon, with still 12 stars on her head for a crown. And these attest to the depth of the popular devotion to this manifestation of divine grace bestowed on the Mother of God. The theme of the heavenly coronation of Our Lady as Queen of Heaven, often also represented in paintings and sculpture, is related to her being assumed into heaven, where she reigns next to her divine Son. The entrance antiphon of the Vigil Mass says, All honour to you, Mary. Today you were raised above the choirs of angels to lasting glory with Christ. The Ark of the Covenant was the sign of the presence of God in the midst of his people in the Old Testament. Inside the Ark, his word was kept, inscribed on two tablets of the law. The first reading of that Vigil Mass is all about the Ark of the Covenant. Because Mary is the Ark of the New Covenant. In her womb, the Son of God, the Word made flesh, dwelt for nine months. And with her assumption to heaven, she found her fungal abode in the heart of the Blessed Trinity. St. Amadeus says Mary was brought up to heaven amidst the acclamations of joy and praise. She went directly into God's presence and there took her throne in glory above the angels and the saints. The Ark of the Old Testament was built with precious materials and adorned with gold in its interior. In the case of Mary, God bestowed on her untold gifts. Her external beauty was a reflection of the plenitude of grace within, said St. Paul VI. Thus she was the new dwelling place of God in the world. And so recourse to Our Lady is the best way to, to reach God and to beseech him. She intercedes for us from above and redirects our petitions if they're not altogether perfectly well-intentioned. The Second Vatican Council has said, taken up to heaven, she does not lay aside this salvific duty, but by her constant intercession continues to bring us the gifts of eternal salvation. And in the furrow we're told, our mother went up to heaven, body and soul, 
Tell her often that we, her children, refuse to be separated from her. She will hear you. Mother of ours, you who are so close to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, don't let us go from your hand, my mother. We achieve great security in this devotion to Our Lady. She gives us a great feeling of security all the time. She always listens to us, no matter what our circumstances are. And Pope Benedict has said that the Feast of the Assumption is a day of joy. God has won. Love has won. It has won life. Love has shown that it is stronger than death. That God possesses the true strength. Now that his strength is goodness and love. Mary was taken up body and soul into heaven. There is even room in God for the body. Interesting idea in relation to the theology of the body, emphasized by Pope St. John Paul II. We're told in the Creed, we say in the Creed, I believe in the resurrection of the body. We're reminded that the body is very important in Christianity. God speaks to us through the body. The words of love are inscribed in our body. And so we have a mother in heaven. And the mother of God, the mother of the Son of God, is our mother. He made her our mother when he said to the disciple and to all of us, Behold your mother. And so we have a mother in heaven. Heaven is open. Heaven has a heart. In the Gospel of today's Mass, we read the Magnificat. A great poem inspired by the Holy Spirit. It came from Mary's lips and from Mary's heart. A lady in Singapore once told me that when I read those words, my soul magnifies the Lord. I could spend hours and hours just contemplating those words. This marvelous canticle mirrors the entire soul, the entire personality of Mary. It's quite original and yet at the same time it's a fabric woven throughout of threads from the Old Testament of words of God and so we see that Our Lady was at home with God's words she lived on God's word she was penetrated by God's word the true Ark of the New Covenant to the extent that she spoke with God's words, she thought with God's words. Her thoughts were God's thoughts, her words, God, God's words. She was penetrated by divine light. And this is why she was so resplendent, so good, so radiant with love and goodness. Mary lived on the word of God. She was imbued with the word of God. She kept all these things carefully in her heart. And the fact that she was immersed in the word of God and was totally familiar with the word also endowed her later with the inner enlightenment of wisdom. 
Whoever thinks with God thinks well, and whoever speaks to God speaks well. They have valid criteria to judge all things of the world. They, became, they become prudent, wise, and at the same time good. They also become strong and courageous with the strength of God, who resists evil and fosters good in the world. Thus Mary speaks with us, speaks to us, invites us to know the word of God, to love the word of God, to live with the word of God, to think with the word of God. And we can do so in many different ways reading sacred scripture, by participating in the liturgy, in which the Holy Church throughout the year opens the entire book of sacred scripture to us. She opens it to our lives and makes it present in our lives. Mary is taken up body and soul into the glory of heaven. And with God and in God, she is queen of heaven and earth, and so she's always very close to us. While she lived on this earth, she could only be close to a few people. Being in God who is close to us, actually within all of us, Mary shares in this closeness of God. Being in God and with God, she is close to each one of us, knows our hearts, and hear our prayers and help us with our motherly kindness and has been given to us as the Lord said precisely as a mother to whom we can turn in every moment she always listens to us she's always close to us she participates in the power of her son and his goodness and so we can always trust the whole of our lives to this mother who is not far from any one of us. And at this great feast day, we can thank our Lord for the gift of his mother and ask her to help us to find the right path every day. We never hear people asking about the body of Mary. Often we hear different churches talking about they have this relic of that saint or some other relic. But nobody can make such a claim about Our Lady. The Holy Father ended all speculation when he proclaimed the dogma of the, of the Assumption. And so we can find our peace in the fact that Our Lady is there in heaven with no corruption. The Assumption of Mary fills us with joy, encourages us along the way, still remaining before we reach heaven. <clears throat> Blessed Alvaro del Portillo said she gives us the courage and energy to reach the sanctity we're called to by our vocation. It is necessary that we struggle to be good daughters and sons of God to make an effort to keep our souls clean through frequent sacramental confession and the reception of the Eucharist. In this way, we will reach heaven. 
not in the same way as the Most Holy Virgin, since due to sin our bodies will experience corruption. Nevertheless, if we die in God's grace, our soul will go to heaven. Perhaps by way of purgatory first, so that we might put on the wedding garment, indispensable for entering the heavenly banquet where we will see God as he is. Later on, at the final resurrection of the dead, our bodies will also arise and be united with our glorified souls and we will then receive the eternal reward. And then we will then join Jesus and his most holy mother in endless joy. And so another lesson from this feast day is that it's worthwhile to be faithful. A struggle to say yes to all the things our Lord may be asking of us is always worthwhile. In our pagan environment, we have the divine vocation to sanctify ourselves and to sanctify others. And we have all the graces we need for that. And so it's worthwhile to reject everything that can separate us from God and to respond positively to whatever draws us close to him. The Lord will help us since he doesn't ask the impossible. He demands that we be saints in spite of our undeniable wretchedness and the difficulties we will, we will count and we encounter. But he will grant us the grace. We can, said the Apostle James, possumus. We can be saints despite our defects and sins. Since God is good and all-powerful, and we have the mother of God herself, whom Jesus cannot refuse as our own. She will speak good things for us. Blessed Alvaro also said, let us then be filled with hope and confidence. In spite of our shortcomings, we can be saints. If we struggle one day after another, if we purify our souls in the sacrament of penance, and if we frequently receive the living bread that has come down from heaven, the body and blood, soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, truly present in the sacred Eucharist. And when the moment to render an account of our soul to God comes, we shall not fear death. Dying will be like moving to a new home for us. It will come when God wants. It will be a liberation, the beginning of life with a capital L. Life is changed, but it does not end for us, says the preface of the deceased. For we will begin to live in a new way, closely united to the Most Holy Virgin, to eternally adore the Blessed Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This then is the prize awaiting for us. In the meantime, our mother helps us from heaven each day in our troubles and difficulties. May we not neglect to seek her patronage, in particular on her great feast days. There was a kid once, five-year-old kid in the school where he used to work in Manila, who was playing with his basketball. And then his big sister came along, seven years old, and took away his basketball. And he went wailing to his mom, who was a 
little distance away chatting to a friend of hers. This child was the youngest of eight children, a little bit spoilt. The mother was a very experienced mother. And the child came wailing to her, making far more noise than the situation warranted. And I was a little distance away observing this whole scene and wondering how this mother was going to handle this situation. And the mother, without interrupting her conversation with her friend for a moment, without letting her left hand know what her right hand was doing, she whipped out a handkerchief from up her sleeve. And without even looking at the child, she wiped his nose. Observing this, I was a bit, well, interested and surprised because it was his eyes that were streaming. But yet she wiped his nose. And then she turned him around, patted him on the back low down and sent him off about his business. And he was quiet, serene, calm. I thought he wanted justice from his big sister. But in reality, he was just looking for a little bit of attention and affection from his mother. And so our mother is there in all the ups and downs of life, the little crises that may come, uh, come along, there for us to, to fly to, to her protection and her help. Chesterton said, the angels fly because they take themselves lightly. He said, Mary flew very high because she took herself very lightly. She's assumed because of her union with her son. As she surrendered with him in his sacrifice, so she lets him claim her by his victory. Thus Mary's assumption is in tune with her humility. It's because she's weightless, free from the heaviness of the self, that she can be caught up wholly in Christ's slipstream. The death of Our Lady is often called the Dormition, from Dormiri to sleep in Latin. The Apostle John must have been a witness to this passage of Our Lady to heaven, since our Lord had entrusted her to him, he wouldn't have been absent at that moment. However, in his gospel, he says nothing about Our Lady's last moments on earth. He who spoke of our Lord's death on Golgotha with so much clarity and force is silent when it's a matter concerning the one he cared for as his own mother, the mother of Jesus and of all men. With divine power, God saw to the preservation of the integrity of Mary's body. He preserves her perfect unity and complete harmony without permitting the least alteration. Our Lady wins the supreme crown of her privileges to be exempt from the corruption of the tomb. Overcoming death, as her son conquered it previously, she has raised body and soul to heavenly glory. The integral harmony of the Marian privileges point to it. We often contemplate this truth in the fourth glorious mystery. We're told in the book Holy Rosary, the mother of God has fallen asleep. But Jesus wants to have his mother, body and soul in heaven. 
And the heavenly court, arrayed in all its splendor, greets Our Lady. You and I, children after all, take the train of Mary's magnificent blue cloak. And so we can watch the marvelous scene. The most blessed Trinity receives and showers honors on the daughter, mother, and spouse of God. And so great is the Lady's majesty that the angels exclaim, who is she? And so we can turn to Our Lady in a special way on this occasion, realizing also that it can be a good day to consecrate ourselves and our life to Our Lady. We could say to her, we consecrate to you everything that we are, our being and our life, all that we love and all that we are. Our bodies, our hearts and our souls are for you. We could ask her that she might speak good things to her son Pharos as she intercedes for us in heaven. She's our sweetness and our hope. We're told in the furrow, our mother went up to heaven, body and soul. Tell her often that we, her children, do not want to be separated from her. She will hear you. Do you not greet warmly all the people you love and speak to them cordially? Well, you and I are going to greet Jesus, Mary and Joseph and our guardian angels many times a day. The death of Our Lady is like a, a precursor or a building block of our own resurrection, all made possible through Christ rising from the dead. St. Paul says he will refashion the body of our lowliness and conform her to his body in glory. And so today in this solemnity, our petitions can be full of confidence. She continually strengthens our hope. We are still pilgrims, but our mother has gone before us and is already pointing to the reward of our efforts. She reminds us that it is possible to reach it and if we are faithful, we will in fact do so. Our Lady is not only our example, she's also our help, help of Christians. We can say to her, show us that you are our mother. She could not, she would not ever deprive her children of her motherly care. And so St. Maria says, most sweetheart of Mary, prepare a safe way for your own. Guide our steps on earth with strength and security in our path. Become for us the path we are to follow. Since you know the way, and the quick and most direct passageways that lead through love of you to the love of Jesus Christ. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me during this meditation. I ask your help to put them into practice. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.